Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today's show 73. And I have a new microphone. I don't know if you can tell, but um, sounding pretty, uh, sounding pretty clear at my end. And, uh, and I can even hear the <laughs> cicadas kind of, um, what do they do? Does the cicada chirp? I don't, I don't even know. Squeak? Not sure. Um, now I'm talking to myself and sounding a bit crazy, so I'm just going to move on from that. Um, it is show 73. I have a wonderful guest for us this week. I received a very happy email in my inbox last year that was inviting me to visit Cobram Estate in Victoria. Now, Cobram Estate is an olive oil brand and they are responsible for producing around half of Australia's olive oil consumption, if you can just imagine how much olive oil that is and how big their uh, property is. It was an amazing day where I got to meet a lot of people who I've known online for years, like the gorgeous Peter from Goodness Me Box, uh, who was our sponsor last month, and Martina Angel from uh, Wholesome Cook, and oh gosh, just so many lovely people. And we spent the day together getting to know how olive oil is made and and the commitment that this particular ginormous farm, Cobram Estate, does that. And we just learned so much. It was such an information-rich day. And I, I absolutely love getting under the hood of brands and having a look at how they operate and being able to ask questions close up. And it's one of my favorite things about bringing this podcast to you is that we can share straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, or when we have really amazing uh, show partners that provide you guys offers so that you can make your low-tox swaps a little bit more easily over time, you know, to just really be able to get to know why that brand exists and, and what it is they they care so passionately about rather than, you know, a lot of um, brands that once uh, uh, something um, meaningful has been established that consumers want, uh, it's then just gap in the market, start a business, there isn't one of these, let's do it, you know. And what I absolutely love is when there's a super amazing origin story. And so Rob McGavin, the uh, co-owner of uh, Cobram Estate, is with us today at discussing not only the story of Cobram Estate itself and how it evolved over time, but also talking about olive oil. It's been much maligned, especially in the area of cooking. For a while there, I remember thinking myself, is it dangerous? Maybe I shouldn't cook with it. And really, it all comes down to quality, uh, acid point, and a few other things that Rob is going to talk us through. And he's actually going to talk us through some of the research papers that uh, exist now to put our minds at ease as long as we're using the good stuff and uh, asking those questions of our producers. It always comes back down to that, doesn't it? Just making sure we are really curious and know where our things come from and how they're produced and whether the answers to our questions feel and sit right with us. So uh, we'll get into that shortly, but of course I have a wonderful show sponsor for us this month. And for the whole month of February, I am super delighted to tell you that we have the wonderful Dr. Bronner's supporting our show. And uh, these guys make it possible for us to foot all the production costs and the time that it takes to research and interview and book guests and write the show notes and get it all in through our hosting and pay for the hosting and get it up onto iTunes. So I really appreciate that 
uh, the brands that do choose to partner with us and sponsor the show do because it means we get to bring it to you every week, but also um, that we get to make it easier for you in doing that to make some low-tox swaps or to stock up on some of your faves um, when a really good price is brought to you. And a really good price is just about to be brought to you because you have 15% off the entire Dr. Bronner range from the Dr. Bronner's website for the whole month of February. Um, My tip, if you haven't invested in a big bottle of their gorgeous Castile soap in one of the many beautiful fragrances, natural of course, that they come in, um, my current favourite is the, I think it's, oh gosh, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget what it is, rose and sandalwood. I hope that's right. I'm going to be so embarrassed if I have to correct myself next week on that. But I absolutely love the super delicate fragrance of rose. Uh, We actually took it on a recent trip away. We were away for a week and we used it to wash ourselves, wash our clothes, wash the dishes. Um, If we had had a dog, we would have washed the dog too. It's that versatile, their Castile soap. And um, their bar soap is what we use in the shower and bath here when we're at home because it's plastic free which is even better but uh, rest assured that any plastics that are used are recycled plastics and uh, are only used for safety when needed as in their castile soaps now another thing that is fantastic in their range is the uh, sal suds so you can use that as a laundry detergent it is highly effective it's really fabulous for scrubbing things like bathrooms and tiles uh, and um, and I just love that product. My cleaner loves that product. So if you haven't tried Sal Suds as a more intensive um, cleaner, then that's a really good one to go for. So uh, I'll invite you to explore everything on their website. You have the details on the show notes as to what the code is and how to get that 15%. Um, And if you didn't listen, if you haven't been listening to the podcast for ages and you missed my chat with um, Lisa Bronner, who is the fifth generation of the Dr. Bronner's company, show number two, it really is just such a fantastic uh, view into them as a company. They're a family business, they're fifth generation soap makers. And what I love is that they're super committed to honoring the vision of the founder, Emmanuel Bronner, way back in the day, um, for making socially and environmentally responsible products, but also dedicating a huge amount of their profits uh, to making a better world. These guys were social entrepreneurs well before it became this cool, hip new thing to to do or even got a name uh, as a, a way of developing a business model. These guys literally gave birth to the idea of it not all being about profits for the owners and shareholders. Um, in fact, these guys are a privately owned co- company, so there aren't shareholders in that sense. But But it really, uh, Emmanuel Bronner was just an extraordinary individual and something that he always said was, let's be generous, fair and loving to spaceship Earth and all its inhabitants for we are all one or none. And boy, do we need a little bit of that in 2018 where it feels like everything and everyone is trying to divide us and, and make us afraid of other different people to us and all those sorts of things. So I just think in the spirit of... Um, the founder, Emmanuel, and everything that they work towards continuing to emulate as a company. They're just awesome. So enjoy that 15% off uh, this month. And let's hook into my chat with Rob McGavin from Cobram Estate Olive Oil. Hello, Rob. How are you? 
Good, Alex. How are you? I'm really well, and I'm so excited to have you on the show. Uh, Now, I think um, we're obviously going to go quite deep into the magic of olive oil, but to start, just so everybody can get to know you and your story, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background and how you came to start Cobram Estate. Yeah, look, I'm originally from a sheep and cattle farm in Western Queensland near Longridge, Mm -hmm. and I went to agricultural college near Geelong um, to Marcus Oldham College and I met a guy at college called Paul Reardon and a couple of years out from college we decided that we should go into business together and plant some olives and to produce olive oil and we we didn't know very much about it I was sort of growing wine grapes um, at that time and we were implementing a lot of new technology with drip irrigation and mechanisation and olive oil was something that was becoming more and more, I suppose, trendy or promoted or consumed as a really healthy um, oil to use. And he and I thought, why don't we try and start a reasonable size growth between the two of us? And to cut a long story short, we... Worked out we didn't have enough money, so we went to family <laughs> friends and put a proposal to them where they would, you know, invest alongside of us and owned, you know, the freehold assets and the land, and we picked the right property that we thought in the right location, and the whole thing was held up a few years because the varieties of olives that we wanted to plant to ensure we got the different styles of oils that we needed that we thought long term would make, you know good quality olive oil and do well here in Australia, they weren't available in Australia. So we had to import them from certified mother trees in Europe. And look, that slowed us down a few years by the time we got them through quarantine. I was and just about to say, numbers. they don't make it easy, do they? No, 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 but that's all good. Our clean green image is absolutely everything here. So you know, we're, we're cool with that. But look, we just never thought that we would have a you know, a large consumer brand. We were just, we were both, you know, mid twenties and really enthusiastic and in a hurry to get on with things. And you know, we just thought we'd grow olive olives and produce olive oil and sell it to someone else. And yeah, you know, one thing led to another, and we raised money from family and friends, and then some more. And we kept planting olives, and the quality of oil we produced was absolutely amazing. And we were supplying that oil in bulk to Cobram Estate that was a small, um, I suppose, boutique brand, but it was in the supermarket that the Dugan family had founded near Cobram, which is a town on the Murray River. Mm-hmm. And we were supplying the bulk of their oil from our groves to that brand. And in 2006, they said, why don't you buy it from us? Um, they were in doing other things. And... Yeah, so we, we bought it from the Dugan family in 2006. It had sales of about $2.1 million per year then, and it was about number 10 brand in Australia. And now it's number one brand and has sales of something like $70 million. And I think that that growth, you know, is really attributed to many things, but us really having a strong focus on quality, and we still have, and that's, I think, what drives absolutely everything because it's just such a stark difference in the different smell, flavour and health benefits based on the quality of the olive oil because it truly is a fresh product and 
always say to people, you know, crush fresh fresh apples or fresh oranges, you get fresh juice. And if you crush fresh olives, you get fresh olive juice. And that's exactly what extra virgin olive oil is. Yeah, and you can taste it. It's such an amazing product. And can just for the people who have absolutely no idea about farming, um, myself included, uh, how do you go about choosing an area? Is it just research into what's being farmed there successfully already? Is it that simple, or do you? Is there more that you have to do soil testing? Yeah, there's a there's a huge amount in it, and I'd I'd be here a, a month explaining every bit of detail. But Paul, my business partner went and, and we're still the largest shareholders of of Cobram and still work together each day I just got off the phone to him and you know wonderful person and um, he went overseas for a few months before we imported the right varieties and he spent a lot of time with professors in olives in Israel and Greece and Italy and he really chose the varieties that he thought would work here and he probably fine-tuned the climates that each one of those varieties particularly liked. But what what olive trees like is a hot, dry summer and really a wet, cold winter. And that's everything that they need and like to produce high-quality oil and to produce consistently. So um, what we didn't know was how exactly well they would perform in Australia. And we made a few mistakes, like always. There was a lot of trial and terror. Um, <laughs> trial and, and terror. Love it. Yeah, and... Yeah, probably the thing we didn't realise when we started was just how high quality our oil was and probably on a sadder note, just how adulterated and bastardised the industry is with just cheating by particularly middlemen who just buy olive oil from anyone and blend it with anything else and sell it as anything. And, you know, it's just it's one of those foods that you've really got to know and trust the source and the difference between high quality and low quality is so stark from a nutrition point of view, from a health point of view, from a smell point of view, from a flavour point of view and all of those things. So, look, we'd been a, you know, overnight success. It took 20 years, but we, um, we've made every mistake possible and some more, but focusing just on consistency and quality and only selling it if it's high quality into Cobram has been our, the key to our success, I believe. Mm. And um, you mentioned some of the challenges. Can you share a couple of the really the really crappy moments where you thought, my gosh, is this going to be worth it? Like, did I'm sure that happened along yeah, the way. Yeah, we've had a few of those. Um, one of our big challenges was mechanically harvesting the trees. When they were small, we could do it pretty easily with sort of oversized grape harvesters. But as the trees matured into full-size trees, we thought we'd be able to shake the olives off like the almond industry do, mm. but it just didn't work very well. So we're only really getting 75% of the olives off the tree, which in farming, that's not enough. There's just, you know, you're lucky to make 10% profit, let alone leaving 25% of the olives on the tree. So but we spent millions and millions of dollars and put an enormous amount of time into developing a machine that could straddle a tree, a full-size tree, and remove the fruit. And mastering that has really helped us not only improve the quality because we pick all the olives and crush them within four hours, and it goes 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so that we just don't have olives sitting around because the fresher the olive, the fresher the juice, the better it is. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it's also reduced our cost and made us cost competitive. So 
we've got 22 of these harvesters now and they're roughly a million dollars each and you know we go for two and a half months and employ something like 160 people across the facets of milling and processing and look it's a it's it that's that's probably one thing that's was a really big challenge and the, the second one was just the GFC and the cycle. One of our major customers went broke. We were owed, you know, a couple of million dollars from them. We couldn't get finance. Uh, you know, it was just a disaster period. I mean, I've been to the head of credit for institutional banking with one of the big four banks here in Australia to beg that he wouldn't pull the pin on us because the head of credit for Victoria, you know, wouldn't keep funding us. Um because we had all these young trees and, you know, we're trying to get a brand to move ahead and, you know, do the right thing by consumers and all of those things. And I'm, I'm sounding like a whinging farmer and I'm <laughs> not certainly trying not to be. But I suppose the story is nothing in life comes, you know, without a fair degree of, you know, risk and luck and passion and dedication and all of those things and you know we're blessed to have some amazing staff who are so passionate about olive oil and about producing high quality olive oil and and in the end I think that if you stick to your morals and you and you don't compromise that that will repay you in the end and I think that that's a great testament to that integrity. Mm. Definitely. And um, and I don't think you're sounding like a whinging farmer. I don't think consumers hear enough about how tough it is out there for us to continue to ensure we're supporting farmers um, and, and you know, and not middlemen along the way, as you say, blending things with all sorts. So tell me, if I see olive oil on the front of a, um, a bottle, does that not guarantee me that everything inside there is olive oil with current, la- like are there labelling loopholes in your industry? There's an enormous amount of labelling loopholes and it's, it's look, the, the the reality is that the most adulterated food product in the world, according to most independent studies, will show that olive oil is the most adulterated food product um, because it's very easy to do so. So you've got a really high-value product like extra virgin olive oil, which is just the juice of the olive, um, and it looks similar to all other refined seed oils like vegetable oil, canola, sunflower, rice bran that are all refined with heat chemicals and solvents, don't have health benefits, you know, have trans fats and all these other things. Mm. And and they're worth a dollar a litre in bulk and extra virgin's worth $6 and they blend it in. So, um, oh, so they're basically that, padding out the margin. Yeah, and yeah. not everyone does this, of course, but mm. it's a very common global practice unfortunately and to to i suppose to support the point if you look at the the actual data 25 percent of the world's production each year is extra virgin but around 65 percent of sales each year are extra virgin and extra virgin is the highest quality juice of the olive so you know half the world's olives are so rotten when they're crushed to get the juice out that the olive oil is not fit for human consumption. So they refine it with heat chemicals and solvents to neutralise and sterilise the oil and then they sell it to Australia as extra light, pure, 100% olive oil and misleading terms like this that can sh- and they sell it for the same price as extra virgin. And it's a, I always say to people that some products 
you've got to know and trust the source and certainly olive oil or extra virgin is the only thing people should buy is one of those um and you know you can buy an egg and or an almond and it you can see that it is an egg or it is an almond now it mightn't be free range or it mightn't be from australia or whatever but you just add a whole nother level of complexity when you put it in a bottle and it's a, it looks like a, a another liquid that could be mixed and blended. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's something that we really, really pride ourselves on, and and we've stuck through it even in the hardest of hard times. We've just gone. We're not selling extra light and pure. We're not doing anything tricky. We're just going to over deliver on quality twice as much to try and give consumers a good deal and then they'll stick with Cobram and that's what we try and do. And to this day, we won't put more than half our annual production into Cobram because we look at all of our olive oil at the end of the year. We only produce once a year and we put the very best half into Cobram and that's why we can guarantee the quality and that's why I've won so many awards. And some very exciting news on Thursday, we, Choice Magazine, again awarded us the best olive oil in Australia and we were the only gold medal winning oil with our Cobram Estate. Oh, that's, that's yeah. awesome. So very exciting. And and it's just a great credit to the rigour that we go through with how we quality test all of our oils and um, you know how we get them to the consumer's shelf without them ever leaving our hands so that they're from pre-flowering until we deliver the bottle to the supermarket we're completely responsible for keeping that extra virgin juice fresh. And I'd imagine that that would make it a fairly more expensive process to keep everything in-house. Yeah, look, it does because we hold huge amounts of um, stock straight after harvest and we keep it in temperature control, sterile conditions away from oxygen and light so that the oil is maximizing the antioxidants so what makes extra virgin special is that the flavor and the smell all comes from the antioxidants and the antioxidants are not like any other antioxidants they're unique to olive oil and their sole purpose in life is to protect a fat being the olive oil so they're called antioxidants because they you know they they stop the oil from oxidizing and but they're the good things that also stop our bodies from oxidizing and chase down free radicals and whatever so they believe that the health benefits in olive oil are so great because the antioxidants in olive oil are there to protect a fat and the vital organs in our body are fat so their efficiency in repairing those cells seems to be a lot greater so um, brown university recently you know stated that based on all the research globally on all foods that no food comes close to extra virgin olive oil in the prevention of chronic disease and we're really proud of that so we try and maximize those antioxidants and the way we store it and that's why it's in a dark bottle and when you open it you should use it in four to six weeks because every great olive oil goes bad over time Mm. and every every oil goes bad over time because it oxidizes and it's those antioxidants in there that that stop it oxidizing going off and the more you maximize those the more health benefits you have and the more flavor and smell you have so it all goes hand in hand to just crush the olives have the best olives you can on the tree crush them as quickly as possible and put them into um, conditions where they're where the oil is very stable so we bottle just in time um, and then get it to the retail shelf and that gives the consumer a great 
a great product and you know they use it in four to six weeks after they open it it's got a best before date that we calculate on it where we every single batch has that calculation done on it so we know that it'll last in that bottle until the best before date yeah awesome and um something that we had the great pleasure it's probably my favorite part because um i come from the liquor industry in a, a previous life and um as a um cognac ambassador for remy martin we would you know taste all the different cognacs and and we were sitting there at Cobram Estate and we were tasting all of your different olive oils, all the different expressions of intensity. And um, I would love, you know, we obviously can't offer these tastings to everybody out there, but to just sort of go through how you actually um, work with the fruit and produce these different, um, these different intensities. Like how is that actually done? Yeah, so... The intensity of the olive oil comes from the principally from the variety of olive that it's grown on. Mm-hmm. And if you use the analogy with wine, a lighter style wine is, say, a Pinot Noir, and we have that variety in our Cobram Estate light intensity oil, which is the light green bottle. So it's a sweet, delicate, mild oil that's true extra virgin but it won't overpower a tapenade or a mayonnaise or cooking a delicate fish or anything like that. And that principally is driven by the variety of, as long as you do everything right with it, that is driven by the variety. Um, And then we go to the other extreme, which is our robust, which is the dark green label, the Cobram dark green label. And it's a variety called Coratina. And if you use the wine analogy, it's probably similar to a Coonawarra Cabernet or something that's really big and full and robust so it's quite stringent in the mouth it's got triple the level of antioxidants as the the lighter style um and when you when i I think that a lot of people get intimidated by wine tasters and and anything that involves them choosing whether something's good or not and i always say to people that absolutely anyone can tell whether it's extra virgin or not and if it's any good and there's only two things you need to do. Firstly, you smell it. And if it reminds you of something fresh, anything fresh, fresh, fresh cut grass, fresh apples, um, herbs, tomato bush, anything fresh, it's good. But if you smell it and you can't smell anything, or worse, it reminds you of checking the oil in the car or the bottom of the wine cellar or mouldy cheese, it's it's off. It's no good. And every oil goes off. So you can have the best extra virgin in the world. If you leave it sitting around for long enough, it'll go off. And that's the same with refined seed oils. In fact, they go off a lot quicker. And oils that go off are actually really bad for your bodies because of the free radicals and because of the polar compounds and other things that are in them, which they're known to damage cells. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the other thing, if you think it smells fresh or you're not sure, extra virgin should always leave your mouth feeling clean, not oily. So put it in your mouth, swirl it around and swallow it. And after you swallow it, your mouth should feel really clean. It shouldn't feel fatty, disgusting, lipsticky or anything like that. And you should get some tingling in the back of your throat. And that can be really pungent and have quite a kick to it, like you've just had some pepper. Yeah, and that's, that's the, exactly that's, how it feels. Yeah, and the bitterness on your tongue. And that's the antioxidants. If the oil's dead, you don't get any of that. So... It's very simple. If every consumer or anyone listening to this goes to their pantry 
and they smell their oil. If they remind them of something fresh, they're probably good. If they remind them of something stale, they'll be bad. And then put it in your mouth and swallow it. And if it's disgusting, it's no good, throw it out. And if it leaves your mouth feeling clean and it's quite pleasant, might have a bit of kick in it, but that's a, a positive attribute. Um, it's good. So anyone can taste it. And then within that is all the different styles and characteristics and fruitiness and all of those things. Yeah. And that's how they yeah. judge oils is that they would give every oil in a blind tasting with the judges and say New York has 18 judges that taste 900 oils over a week and they blind taste them all, which means they don't have a clue what it is. It's in a blue cup and they'll give it a score of 1 to 10 for smell um, on the intensity of smell and the complexity of smell and they give it a score of 1 to 10 on its pungency, which is the pepper on the back of the neck, you know, in, in, when it's in your mouth and then a score out of 10 on the bitterness, which is the on the edge of the tongue, and then they then rate all of those oils, and they, they rate them in different styles, actually, between a really robust oil and a really mild oil, but they're looking for complexity and uniqueness and and whatever, and it's, a, it, it's pretty simple when you, you know, taste quite a few oils regularly like us. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was really interesting to taste oils like that for the first time and um, and to appreciate the oil without anything else because olive oil is usually such a partner in something. It's a partner in your cooking or a partner in your salad dressing or, you know, it's not often that you taste it on its own. So I'd be super keen for anyone listening who does go to their pantry and um, follow Rob's advice in what to look for for a good oil and a not-so-good oil and just share what, what people found because uh, I think it'll be um, either an exciting awakening or a really rude one depending on <laughs> what you ended yeah, up finding in your pantry. It's just a stark contrast and um, when you really know, you know, the the health benefits are all in those antioxidants that give you that bitterness and pungency and smell, it's a really important part of why you buy extra virgin olive oil and those antioxidants protect that oil even while you're cooking. And um, Brown University and UC Davis, which are two renowned you know, universities in the USA, they published a research project recently that showed that when you put extra virgin in the oven and bake it for an hour at 200 degrees Celsius, still half the antioxidants are alive, keeping the oil fresh. And that's why it's not that you can cook with olive oil it's actually that you should cook with olive oil and the higher the quality extra virgin the longer it'll last in the oven because of those antioxidants how tough they are and they're there protecting the the oil and infusing into your food to give you that goodness so um it's certainly the the safest oil to cook with um and that's not really disputable and you know the smoke point on olive on oils is irrelevant with regards to the safety of the oil to cook with. And there's a lot of new data coming out and, and published data coming on that. Yeah, as well. which is really interesting. And it bears the question when all of that stuff started to come out about olive oil not being the best choice to cook with, whether they were testing with some of these impure blends perhaps where, um, where those antioxidant levels weren't naturally high in the product. Um, and and therefore that's how the the advice then came out um, from Dr. Mary. It's sort Mary. of hard to yeah. know, but I, I think that in fact the industry itself confused the consumer because 
because only 25% of the world's production is extra virgin and because 80% of that comes from Europe and because none of the growers in Europe actually sell to Australia, it's all middlemen who sell here, mm. they would have they didn't really want people to buy extra virgin because they didn't produce it and they probably had to you know, blend and struggle more. Yeah. So yeah. they they had a whole marketing campaign and they kept telling consumers that use extra virgin for coal dishes and use these other oils extra light and pure for cooking. And by default, I think people thought that they couldn't cook with extra virgin where extra virgin's more stable and safer and better for your health and better for your food flavour to cook with. The other refined oils are just rotten olives that have been refined and they're trying to get rid of a, a high-value product to unsuspecting consumers, unfortunately. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. And um, the other thing that uh, you guys talked about with us when we were down there is the fact that you could even deep fry in olive oil. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, again, you know, there's, there's numerous studies. It, it, look... I'll be the first one to say it's more expensive than yeah. <laughs> than seed oils and refined seed oils, most of which have been around for not very long, 80 years, you know, which which are carrying a lot of the health issues in society as the refined seed oils because of the polar compounds and trans fats and, you know, products like that that have yeah. got no, you know, long-term health issues associated with them. Um but nothing tastes better than food deep fried and extra virgin. And if you could afford it, there's absolutely no way that you wouldn't use it every time. Yeah. Um, and it's the smoke point of extra virgins well above its 205 to 215 degrees Celsius, which is well above deep frying. It'd be maximum 180, 185 degrees Celsius, you know, light frying. So it, it's, it's basically suitable for absolutely everything. And people often ask me about coconut oil and that's, a great safe product to cook with absolutely no doubt it's mostly saturated fat and um it rates just behind olive oil as far as safety to cook with but it 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 is saturated fat which you know they say we have too much of in our diet and it does have a strong coconut flavor so it depends what you what you want but i always say to people use butter it's natural lard if you have to well, it's delicious. Lard, lard roast potatoes at Christmas. Come on, let's do it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, <laughs> you know, the, the dangerous oils are all these refined seed oils. Agree, agree. I think once we're playing in natural, wholesome oil territory, use it as part of your meals. Don't worry and stop worrying about olive oil in your cooking. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, uh, do you guys bottle everything under the Cobram Estate? label that you produce or is some of it no so others? what we we have two and a half million trees now that's sort of taken 20 years to build up and we produce a bit over half of australia's olive oil from our own groves and we work with a lot of other growers as well who we have really good long-term relationships with them and so at the end of harvest we get all of our oil that's in tank and every tank is a batch and we have a quality test done on it you know, that we do, and the best half of our oil goes to Cobram. Um, and then we have a secondary brand called Red Island, which we is is pretty much the brand of other growers' fruit and, you know, some of our own fruit as well. And the, 
the I suppose the it's still very good quality, but it sits below Cobram, and you can see that by the price point as well. Um, and look, we supply to others, but all of our all of our rubbish oil we export back to Europe because <laughs> this, they buy it and probably they send can it back it. to extra light and pure. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep the good stuff. I feel terrible for our European listeners. Um, uh, and in um, you have uh... and sorry, I, I, I think people might think I'm being negative. I'm just like to be truthful, but. Europe produces some amazing extra virgin, don't get me wrong. Every single country produces some amazing extra virgin, but it just doesn't arrive here and certainly not, you know, at $6 a litre, just not even close. You know, so, for example, Italy consumes twice as much olive oil as their total annual production. Oh, wow. So they don't even produce enough for themselves, let alone the fact that, you know, they have to import for their own country. So if you think you're buying some of Italy's best when you go to the supermarket here for $6, just think again. Yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? And and fresh is better. So the less miles, the you know, all of those things, we've got a huge advantage in Australia with the way we do it and plus it being local and being able to store it and bo- store it so it doesn't deteriorate and then bottle just in time. Yeah, and I've definitely felt that difference by over buying, say, you know, you get gifted something and it's in a hamper and it comes from overseas. There's nothing wrong with oils that come from overseas, but I definitely agree with you that it's one of those products that we should start thinking a bit more locally about, um, given that freshness and storage play such a huge part in what you end up tasting at the table. Yeah. Mm. Um, now, talk to me about um, the actual farming aspect of of olives do do you need to use much pesticide in olive farming or i mean they seem like pretty hardy plants yeah no look we absolutely don't and Mm. they're an amazing tree that are so resilient and have so many mechanisms for survival Mm. um certainly they look after themselves first and their fruit second so you've always got to try and make the tree happy <laughs> I love um, it so you're a tree farmer not an olive farmer at the end yeah, of the day yeah if you keep the tree happy they'll produce the fruit you know whereas a lot of other crops if they feel under pressure they sort of produce more fruit to make more of themselves where the olives are the opposite they have all these mechanisms keeping themselves alive and they you know use very little water and you know, they're a great tree for our harsh australian environment and a good you know, a good economic return for the precious resource we have in the Murray-Darling in our area, mm. um, which is the lifeblood of that whole region. And really, they don't need to be sprayed hardly at all. I mean, we get the odd hotspot of, you know, the scale. You know, everyone would have seen that on their lemon trees sometimes. But we like to do things in a... I suppose, sustainable way and we buy, you know, like ladybirds and other eggs of other natural predators that then we'll, we let them go and they hatch in the, you know, we let the seeds go, let the, they're like these little cardboard strips and they um, hatch in there and then they attack the scale or the, whatever you're trying to, uh, mite or whatever you're trying to, you know, get on top of in the grow. So we like to do everything that way because then it's more sustainable. So, look, we're not certified organic um, and principally that's because we grow on very, very sandy soils and every time we harvest a crop, you're taking nutrients away from the 
the tree and exporting them off the farm. Mm. And we we it's very expensive to try and get that fertilizer back on in a in a true organic form. Um, but apart from that, we're pretty you know pretty organic and very mindful of you know how much we water, how much we spray if we need to spray and when we do spray like I, I grow wine grapes as well and we spray hugely less than wine grapes and it's really when you've had a really humid weather and a big rain event and you might want to put on some sort of protectant spray like a sulfur or something like that mm. but it's not a broad we don't use broad based insecticides um, or anything sort of nasty from that point of view yeah yeah. Amazing. And to think like that you've got, what is it, two and a half million trees, did you say? Yes. Yeah, that many. And to, to know that they're being farmed next to organic is just such an incredible um, position to take as you're essentially land cust- you know, land custodians with that much. Yeah, look, we, um, we try really hard like, and you would have saw amazing. when you were there that we've yeah. got beautiful fenced off areas of natural pristine mallee and we've got you know, other clearings where, you know, so it's just not wall-to-wall olives. There's areas where we, we don't plant. But, look, we're not certified organic, but it's it's mainly because sometimes the cost sometimes. of us to get there would, it's not just double it, it'd be more, and then in the end the consumer pays. But there's very, there's nothing really in the olive oil that we can see or that we feel drives a need to really have to do that, to get mm-hmm. away from chemicals. Just don't use hardly any anyway. So and just be really transparent and, and allow people to learn that you hardly use any anyway. You know, I think yeah, it's kind of like in um, some years. It, in some years it won't at all. In some years you have a really lot of rain and a few things, and you'll be using some fungicides like you know like sulfur or like copper to just put a protectant on the leaf to stop the natural fungi and whatever growing on it to you know just if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For me, it's like kind of like. Um, you know, when someone's yeah. buying meat, you go for ethics first, then you go for sustainability and you ask questions around whether they're pasture-raised and fed. And for me, pasture-raised and fed and knowing that they're not spraying the land regularly is much more important than a certification of organics when it comes to beef, especially if you think, you know, the poor animal gets a, a microbial infection and they're not allowed to be um, treated with antibiotics because they're reg- uh, certified organic, for example, and you just think, well, I'd actually mm. prefer that you'd be able to save the animal's life and um, and uh, just you know and have great farming practices around um, around those sorts of events that come yeah. up from and time look, to uh, time. It, you, you touch on a really good point because a healthy olive tree. Um, because anything that's feeding off the tree, you know, natural enemies or whatever, you know, take away from the tree and then that means there's less nutrient in the fruit and then that means there's less nutrient in the olive oil and therein lies sort of part of the problem in modern-day farming and we really pride ourselves that our antioxidant levels are so high and complex due to our methods of growing and milling that in a 750 mil bottle of Cobram Classic, which is our largest selling purple label, mm-hmm. there's $9.51 worth of free supplements in there. If you went to the pharmacy or the chemist and bought exactly the same amount in pill form, you're getting them for free naturally in the olive oil. And if you look at all the other refined seed oils and whatever, there's, there's basically none in it. 
20 cents if you're lucky. So there's a lot to be said for fresh food and the nutritional benefit that has. And I don't just mean macro stuff like, you know, fat, carbohydrate, protein. I'm talking, you know, minor components of things that are hugely important to our bodies for all sorts of things with hormone regulation and chronic disease prevention and free radical, you know, suppression and all those things. Yeah, I totally agree. And I was actually at a talk last year where a cardiologist was giving a lecture and said if I could get all my patients to have a litre of olive oil a week over their foods, um, then we'd be one step further towards heart disease prevention. So I thought you'd like to hear that one, Rob, <laughs> being an olive, olive oil you. farmer. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not just a, a far, you know, it's not just farmers saying, oh, yeah, no, please buy our stuff because we reckon it's, it's good. It's, it's everybody starting to say this. And, um, and I think mm. a lot of people were scared of olive oil, especially from the cooking aspect for many years because of what we were chatting about earlier. Get it back in there. Um, and, and, yeah, certainly... and just buy the highest quality that you can afford because there's a, just a stark difference. And, you know, that Brown University, you know, study showed that every time there's been a test done on the benefit of olive oil to heart disease or cancer or inflammation or whatever it is, that the oils that have had higher levels of antioxidants when compared to lower levels have had much greater benefit. So they're saying it's not the monounsaturated fat, it's the levels of antioxidants and that's what we pride ourselves on at Cobram and we put it on the label what the minimum level of antioxidants is at the use-by date. So the closer you are to, you know, not being to the use-by date, the more that's in there and you can actually value those in in dollar terms if you buy gram for gram the same amount in a supplement yeah. in the chemist. And so for people who are overseas who can't just casually pop into their supermarket and grab their big three-litre tin of Cobram as I do, um, what sort of what do you reckon are the top questions people can email an olive oil producer um, to ensure that, A, it's not blended in with weirdo seed oils and padded out, um, and, B, that it does have um, a high level of antioxidants? Like does every um, brand have – have they done internal analyses on this and is it something they should be able to share with their with their customer? Oh, very hard for me to answer. Mm. Um, I well, let, let, let's just the same say, question. What I olive oil would I buy if I – but, look, I'd be looking for, you know, what harvest year it was if they've got a use-by date on it. But the problem is most producers, you know, big – Producers just stick two-year use-by date on it. It's lucky to last a month, if you know. And if someone's happy to sort of cheat, you can hardly ring them up and ask them questions and get a straight answer. So um, I don't want to be negative, but I really think that if you, and this is where it makes it hard, is that you buy it, you smell it when you get home, and you, and if it smells fatty, rancid, you know, off, mouldy. You put it in your mouth and your mouth feels fatty, just take it back and get your money back. It's not extra virgin. Yeah. Um, but that's a lot of work for the consumer. And look, and there is some, I mean, Choice Magazine's a great example in Australia of rating the oils. And number one oil was Cobram and number two was Red Island, which was quite pleasing because we do both of those out of the 23 supermarket oils they tested. We kicked it out of the park, if you like to say. But 
I think so we should. We don't do anything else but olives and olive oil and we have a most amazing team of people who dedicate their lives to just making the best quality product they can and genuinely not just talking the talk but walking the walk and I think that's the, the key difference and um, you know you could potentially get on a website there's some great Australian producers absolutely there is um, there's a little triangle um, code of practice symbol most Australian growers are a member of that and they subject their oil to independent testing to make sure it passes certain standards the Australian standard is much stricter even though it's voluntary than the international standard um, and if, if someone's overseas you know look I'd be getting on a website and buying it direct from a producer that you that you trust mm, or, get, or heading and, to and, a farmer's market or you know something where you can actually talk to the people yeah, yeah, absolutely, and often do a tasting before you take it. Mm, love it. Great idea. Um, now, what's what's on the cards for you guys? Is there anything new and exciting you want to share before I say goodbye? Um, oh, we it's probably, there's lots and lots and lots of things that we, you know, are working on to try and get the quality of our oil up and the the price down. <laughs> mm. But <laughs> I, I love that you guys are doing that. You know, you win all the awards, you're number one, you're already producing over half of the olive oil of Australia, you're already exporting so much overseas, and yet your number one thing that you're working on for the future is increasing quality. I mean, that's that just says exactly to me why you got to where you got to because yeah. it's, it's never about and resting on your laurels. No, it, it isn't, and we, we really... I mean, our little company, which is quite rare for a private company, has published 17 peer-reviewed research, you know, reports since we started. Everything from increasing pollination and best before dates and getting more olive oil out of the fruit at higher levels of antioxidants and, you know, all naturally and just – and all of those things go towards – reducing the cost and increasing the quality and that's what we're all about because you know as we always say in here you're only as good as the last experience that the consumer had and so you know and we're happy to absolutely say it as it is with regards to other producers or people who are cheating or doing whatever because I always say that there's only one version of the truth and but with that comes a huge responsibility that we walk the talk you cannot criticize if you don't do the right thing yourself and you know everyone makes mistakes but you've just got to keep trying to reduce those and I suppose yeah I, I don't have anything really mind-blowing to announce or say but just so appreciative of all those consumers out there that buy Cobram every day and we're working really hard to try and make sure that they enjoy it and it's still just a family control business that we all you know love so Makes it pretty easy coming to work. Yeah. And speaking of coming to work, you usually come to work on the plane, don't you? You're a pilot. Oh, sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. I, I fly a little old Cessna around. Um, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I do a bit. I get up to the grades in the plane and I enjoy it. But We'll all think of you when we're on the train on the way to the city <laughs> in all oh. our respective cities. We're <laughs> up there flying to work. Oh, if you saw my little plane, you might wish you were on the train. 
<laughs> we, I, remember... I know my wife. My wife certainly certainly would rather be on the train. <laughs> oh, too funny! Thank you so much for joining me for a chat on the show, Rob. It's been an absolute pleasure. I think um, I love featuring farmer conversations because it helps all of us out there realize exactly why it's important for us to seek out amazing farmers producing incredible stuff and um, and put our dollars where where it's important to for the people who are um, doing right by people and planet. It's just such a pleasure. Thanks so much, Alex, and thanks so much for having me on your show. Super welcome. Speak soon. Cheers. Bye. Well, that's another show done. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Always so much inspiration from our beautiful guests. And I just want to take a minute to say thank you, Uh, for taking the time to leave a review for our show because it helps us stay visible and helps other people who maybe haven't discovered it yet go, ooh, that looks like it might be worth a look. So if the show has provided value to you, there's nothing you can do to thank me more than to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you access the show from. So what you do is you just search generally in the podcast app. Don't be in the list of shows because you won't be able to leave a review there. So once you've searched generally, you'll see the tile come up and you click on that tile and then a little set of tabs will come up and the middle one is called review. And from there, you can click it, star rate it and leave a review. And I appreciate that so much. Now, if you want to connect with the rest of the Lotox Life community, we're over on Instagram at Lotox Life or on the main website uh, where there are a whole bunch of recipes, some incredible e-learning opportunities depending on what your Lotox goals are. And that is www.lotoxlife.com. And of course, if you want to check out the podcast show notes, you just do forward slash podcast and everything's there. So I look forward to continuing our chats in between shows online in the community. Mm-hmm.